Hundreds of people will remain evacuated in Nelson overnight. There are landslips described by officials as too numerous to count. It's been a sodden winter. Wellington's wettest July on record. 294 millimetres of rain fell last month. Around 670 slips since the 1st of July. This hillside collapsed on their home. This concrete retaining wall was no match for 50 cubic metres of moving earth. Slips can happen any time, anywhere. Damage that I saw in Nelson was um, heartbreaking. There's real concern around landslips. There's water flowing down driveways like a waterfall. Causing damage and destruction. Multiple slips, one sending a footpath and trees crashing onto a road. Major damage to State Highway 6. Three of these big pines all just wind all at once, straight on top of the streetlight, straight on top of the car. Complete chunks of the road wiped out and massive slips covering it. Kia ora, I'm Sarah Robson and today on The Detail, they're our most costly natural disaster. But can we keep fixing things up in the aftermath of slips? Can we mitigate their impact on our critical infrastructure? Or do we need to face up to some difficult decisions as the threat of climate change looms ever larger? Andrea Walter is an engineering geologist at GNS Science. So a slip is really slang in New Zealand, Aotearoa, for a landslide. And what a landslide is, is any movement of material down a slope due to gravity. And so that can be anything from a tiny landslide through to landslides that that involve multiple hillsides. And there's also different types of movement, so falls, topples, slides, spreads and flows. And how we consider or investigate landslides is um, forces acting downslope that overwhelm what we call resisting forces, so any forces that keep material in place, and that's what causes a landslide. In New Zealand, there are two main causes of landslides. Uh, rainfall. Persistent heavy rain has sent landsliding, blocking streets and forcing some residents to get out of their homes. And earthquakes. The South Island's main transport corridor, which had nine major slips, was severely damaged in last year's 7.8 magnitude earthquake. Landslides are the most costly natural hazard in New Zealand. Are they? Yeah. On average, they cost about... I think the most current stat is 250 to 300 million a year. And I guess if you've been living in Wellington over this last winter, it probably doesn't come as a surprise that it's the most costly natural peril. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> We've witnessed it. This? What can you see? It is a very, very large slip. It's come down from uh, a property up the top, which was actually Ramsey Place. So it would have been what might have been their backyard once has now slipped down all the way across the road. It's, you know, full of trees, large large rocks, boulders, and um, plenty of dirt. Are there some parts of New Zealand that are more prone to slips? Well, landslides can occur anywhere uh, with hilly terrain. So if you were to look at a map of New Zealand and the landslide distribution across it, they're pretty much everywhere, but particularly focused in high mountains like the Alps and even around Ruapehu. 
Um, to give you an idea of the distribution in the last two years through GeoNet, we've responded to rainfall-induced landslides in the West Coast. The Haast Pass reopens fully tonight for the first time in more than a year after a massive slip brought down more than 40,000 cubic metres of rock onto the state highway. Marlborough. Hundreds were trapped in the sounds for more than four months, only able to leave by boat. Wellington and Gisborne regions. Up high in the helicopter, you can see it for miles. The slip at Whare Ong south of Gisborne, it's plastered all over the shoreline. And we're also conducting research on landslides in places like Kaikoura and Auckland, so really across the country. No one, no one can escape a landslide. <laughs> as long as there's a slope, there's a possibility that you will look or watch a landslide happen. Oh, yep. oh, holy crap! So, looking at Wellington, I mean, that's been where a lot of the focus has been over this last winter, particularly, I guess, in terms of the impact on, on people. But has it actually mm. been more slips than usual? Or is it more Landslide. slips imp- impacting people? Landslides can occur and do occur year-round. So those places that I've mentioned with our GeoNet responses, events in the last two years have happened in February, March, uh, July, November, so really year-round But what made this particular winter different is that it was the wettest July on record. So not only a severe rainstorm, but that severe rainstorm, or not even that severe of a rainstorm, was preceded by a wet period. Um, So that saturates the ground, makes it really wet and prone to landsliding. And then in other areas of the country, we've seen similar trends. So where the the ground is just really wet before a rainfall event or a storm event. And I guess many of us are probably used to seeing slips on farmland or in areas that aren't urban, basically. But is that kind of giving us a bit of a false sense of where a landslide can happen? Absolutely. (laughs) Again, landslides, as I've said, landslides can occur anywhere with a slope. And that includes, that certainly includes urban areas, as we've seen in this past winter. And that's a a normal um, occurrence. Interestingly, though, the stats have shown that there is an increase in general, both in rural and urban areas of landsliding. So 20 years ago, um, in Wellington itself, there were anywhere from one to 200 landslides reported a year. And now we're up to 800 to 1,000 landslides a year on average. Obviously, that's a mix of actual increase and also just better reporting of landslides occurring. Why has it increased so much? If you're leading me into a climate change question, <laughs> I will I will uh, fall into that. Um, so what what we're seeing is um, an increase in extremes. So both an increase in dry days and extreme storms, and these extremes uh, affect how stable the land is around us. And we are currently researching and setting up outdoor laboratories to monitor these climatic 
um, factors and how they affect the behaviour of rock and soil. Major disruptions across the top of Te Waipunamu as the state highways connecting Blenheim and Nelson remains firmly shut. Some of that damage has seen, you know, complete chunks of the road wiped out and massive slips covering it. Businesses and supply chains. Small communities like Rye Valley remain totally cut off tonight. Major damage to state highway 6. It will be months before the only road to Takaka is back to normal. If you look back across our infrastructure networks and just the nature of where our infrastructure networks are across New Zealand. You know, they, we, we're affected every year by slips all across the country. Liam Wotherspoon is an Associate Professor in the Department of Civil and Environmental Engineering at the University of Auckland. It comes back to the to the nature of our landscapes. We start with where these routes are and, and you know, how they've been developed and how roads are first defined in terms of their location, we guess we, we've held on to those for a very long time. So some of those road routes that we have have been there for a long, long time. And I guess if we move beyond the road network, as infrastructure networks have developed, the road then becomes quite a nice corridor for us to put other infrastructure along. So when we're thinking about power, telecommunications, etc., we've got this sort of infrastructure corridors, I guess, where it's the road and a lot of other infrastructure that supports our broader day-to-day lives that are all concentrated together. And, you know, that's one for efficiencies, but the the downside can be if we have these sorts of land instabilities occurring that it can take out quite a few networks at the same time. I mean, some of this can't be helped when we think about New Zealand's topography. We've got to be able to get from, for example, the western side of the Tararua and Ruahine ranges over to the eastern side somehow. And if we look, for example, at the Manawatu Gorge... It's thought to be the biggest roadside slip in the country's history. Since August, hundreds of thousands of cubic metres of rock and debris have engulfed the highway, bridges and have filled the Manawatu River before it was permanently closed, that road was getting repaired and repaired and repaired over and over again because it was impacted by slips. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is, this is, that's a, the Manabatu Gorge is a, I guess a a good example of we can only go so far with what, I guess, engineering uh, approaches can do before we have to sort of take a step back and think, is this actually uh, the right approach is this uh, is this something that we can manage moving forward, or that for that example, the extent and the size sort of says right. Well, I guess nature is telling us that we're really not going to be able to create a road corridor through here that's going to be safe for, safe for the users and is going to be stable based on just the, the the geology that that we're dealing with. And I think you know what underpins all that is New Zealand's a beautiful country. And it's a beautiful country because of how chaotic chaotic the landscapes are. And so that requires us to really deal with those things. And so, yeah, that then thinking about, okay, do we hold on to this route for as long as we can? Or do we have to take a step back and look more broadly and think, how do we ensure this connection, which we're going to need with infrastructure networks, but do it in such a place, in such a location that when we think about the hazards that we're going to be exposed to, we can, you know, manage that and ensure that connectivity for communities, for goods that are moving, and everything else that relies on those infrastructure networks. Generally speaking, how resilient is our infrastructure to the threat of landslides and slips? 
it's definitely variable and I think there is a lot of uh, work that goes into assessing the networks, uh, particularly the national level networks, to understand where those vulnerabilities are and that's not just landsliding, that's across all different hazards. And then based on that, looking at the, what the potential implications are, you know, with a, with a fixed or a fixed budget, identifying where is the sort of the, the best bang for the buck from one year to the next to try to invest uh, and improve those uh, the, the resilience but you know we have a, a large roading network with a fairly small population and that roading network does run through a lot of beautiful areas which at the same time are prone to landslides so yeah it's it's definitely a balancing act and then and i think now what we're seeing is a is a with more of these high weather events coming in, it's perhaps exposing some areas more. So some areas are becoming are more prone to that sort of event than others. And then, um, you know, trying to assess that and look forward. And there is work that is going on again at the national scale, particularly around, you know, these climate change driven events is where are those networks exposed and, and, and what can we do uh, to balance and, um, and improve the resilience while also understanding all those those broader aspects because we have we have a fixed budget so there's only so much we can do and we need to look at all the other implications and the benefits of of those sorts of um, resilience investments. Do you think because we've spent so much time fixing infrastructure that's being damaged by landslides and slips that there's an expectation that we can just keep fixing it? I'm I'm thinking again about the. Mangamuka Gorge um, in Northland, which has again been closed, what, for the second time in just a matter of years. Heavy rain earlier this month brought down 19 slips on the road. Northlanders say slow progress on their region's broken roads is going to cost lives and keep a chokehold on the region's economy. People want that road back open. It's going to need another fix-it job. We've got this expectation that can be fixed, but actually can it? This is, again, we look back to the Manawatu Gorges as a, as a good example of you get to a certain point and, um, you know, I'm an engineer and I think probably most engineers will say you can't engineer your way out of everything, uh, particularly as this, it's the, I guess, the scale of the potential um, events that occur and then, as I said before, the, the regularity of those events. Those two things need to be... Uh, focused on and explored and then understand, okay, well, based on those two things of, of regularity and scale, which links to the loads and what your design would have to deal with, is this something that are we going to find a, an appropriate solution that's going to uh, deal with or, or stabilize um, these important routes? And I guess in the same sense as then stepping back a bit, and I guess the, the Manawatu Gorge again is a good example of that is more broadly along those routes, if we really shore up one piece, is that just going to mean that the weakest link on that uh, route become, it moves to another location that again you're going to have to deal with? So it's taking quite a, a big picture view there. Uh, and then I guess the the redundant route aspect brings in that to do that too. Is there other routes that could, or other locations that we could invest and would be more resilient, more stable as we look into these changing conditions in the future. Is there anything we can do as individuals to make ourselves safer from landslides? Or are these sorts of decisions really in the hands of 
whether it's local councils, central government, these are the people, I guess, who would be paying. I think awareness is really important. So in Cyclone Dovey, February 2022. Power cuts, slips, flooding and wild winds. Cyclone Dovey has caused widespread disruption across New Zealand. We initiated a job in a landslide. And so that was basically citizen science just letting us know, letting GNS know where they observed landslides and, you know, all the, the properties about the landslide and what it impacted. And that helps the scientists get a better understanding of where landslides occur in a given event. And also the general population, just to be aware that landslides are everywhere, you know, and they can impact houses. GNS's role would, um, is to understand the, the physical processes influencing and controlling landslides to provide that science for councils and other decision makers, um, ultimately to protect and plan better. Andrea says as part of their research, they are setting up outdoor labs to monitor the impact of climate change on rock and soil. There are three key things scientists look at when it comes to landslides. Their source, where the debris travels and what it impacts. So how far will this get us in mitigating the impacts of slips and protecting ourselves and our infrastructure? I suppose if I were to be optimistic and dream, it would be taking what we currently have in New Zealand and worldwide, which would be a monitoring centre, say, and turn that into a prediction centre. And we're working towards that, the fancy models that we're creating and testing and validating. All of those are working into being able to predict where landslides might occur and what they might impact and the consequences of those impacts. Because in a way, I guess it might be easier to predict where landslides might happen and what impacts they might have than predicting when an earthquake might happen, for example. Yeah, so landslides are, as as are all natural hazards, they're, they're unique and special, and I might be biased. <laughs> um, I think the difference between, say, a landslide and an earthquake is landslides are far more common but they are very spatially limited. So they, they affect a small area compared to, say, an earthquake. And so although the overall impact of an, a single landslide might be quite small, where it impacts, it's devastating. It can be devastating. Um, so there's that, that um, interplay between spatial occurrence and spatial distribution as well as severity of of impact. And I guess is that part of the reason why we may not have had so much attention on landslides and their impact? Because as you say, they affect a small area and it might affect a small number of houses, for example, whereas an earthquake would have a much wider impact on a whole city or region. That's right. I think you you summarised it really well. Um, So putting my scientist and researcher hat on, uh, landslides are notoriously under-researched and underfunded uh, in New Zealand in particular. And that is one of the reasons why 
is, you know, if you think of the devastation that a, an earthquake could produce um, over a wide area versus these almost targeted areas of impacts in the land, in landsliding. Um, but as we've talked about, landslides are occurring in more spaces uh, more frequently as well. We're grappling with the impacts of climate change. Landslides are going to be happening more frequently and probably going to affect many more of us. How should we gear up for this? As I said, being aware, um, definitely dubbing in a landslide, that, that helps not only the general public, but also the science to advance and improve. And looking out for warning signs such as cracking ground, shifts, you know, any any movements that you can see. I think it might be time to go. Doors not closing in your house. There's another related phenomenon called landslide dams. If you notice after a heavy rainfall, a river running dry, um, there might be a dam upstream that was caused by a landslide. So there are warning signs to watch out for and also just consulting your local council and seeing what their advice is during a during an event. I was just thinking there, um, you know, we've got all these warnings about earthquakes and tsunamis, drop cover hold, um, if it's long and strong, get gone. Do we need something similar for landslides? <laughs> we, as a research team, we've discussed this Um quite a lot and you're right there are no catchy slogans for landslides um at the moment that's maybe something we should be working on (laughs) (laughs) that's it for today i'm sarah robson the detail is public interest journalism funded through new zealand on air and produced by newsroom for rnz you can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform Today's episode was engineered by Flo Wilson and produced by Bonnie Harrison and Mark Jennings. And thanks to Andrea Walter and Liam Wotherspoon. Ka kite anō.